0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. It's great having uh, uh, so Rihanna and Daisy are here, and yeah, uh, I don't know whether you picked up Rihanna. Uh, Rihanna was stuck in Austria this week um, because. She uh, lost her passport uh, when travelling from uh, Albania back to, to London. She'd been in Albania for 11 days. And um, uh, she got to Austria and in between getting off one plane and entering the place to enter, go to another plane, she lost the passport. How you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but she did. It wasn't a joke because there was a moment where they were considering her, considering deporting her back to Tirana in Albania, and they wouldn't let her out the airport. And have you ever seen the terminal? It was a bit like that. I can go nowhere. I can't go forward. I can't go back. But praise the Lord. Uh, 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 she was, I mean, she actually acted really well. She was, I spoke to her on a couple of occasions, and she was very calm about it. Uh, she had a pastor there with her just who, who sort of stayed. Everyone else went on, actually, and he stayed uh, just to help her and, and uh, I picked her up at the airport and was very pleased to see her when I did <laughs> um, so that 's been her week and then she 's eating us out of house and home <laughs> along with her sister and uh, okay, so um, we 've been going through this series in Ruth, and I know uh, phil 's spoken the last A couple of weeks and uh, it's really really simple Ruth isn't it because it's just four chapters they're not very long it's one week a chapter and we're on to the third chapter and then next week Emma will um, be bringing uh, like the the series to an end and and the fourth chapter and uh, we've entitled the series Honouring God Through Relationships and and that's big for me that's a really big thing uh, for me that the church doesn't just do lots of stuff, because all the stuff that Dave talked about that we're involved in as a church, you could think, oh, wow, it's great, we do lots of things as a church, and I'm really pleased that we do lots of things, but the way you do things matters. The way you do things really matters, and the kind of relationships that you have really matter. And, and in John 15, it talks about um, people will know that we are followers of Christ because of the way we love one another there is something about how you relate that is very missional it's very evangelistic people will see something of God simply by the way you love one another and that's important because sometimes we can think that Christianity is just about doing good things and and we have exactly the same issues that everyone else has but we're just doing Christian things and I'm like no no, no, no. it's not about just doing good things it's about being something different Otherwise, the world will not know about Jesus. The world won't know about Jesus because we do good works. They know about Jesus because of what he's done in our lives and the impact that that has. And as John talked about that, that group from uh, Charleston in the US, you just need to think for a few moments how you might respond if your family had been shot dead at a prayer meeting or a Bible study. You just need to think for a few moments and realize even saying I forgive you is very, very big. It's a very big thing to do, and that you wouldn't do it if you didn't feel that. Do you know what I mean? You wouldn't play the game of, oh, I've got to be a Christian and say I'm forgiven. In that kind of situation, it gets too deep. So even able to do that says something of the faith, yeah? At a time where all sorts of faiths show all sorts of sides to them, it is wonderful that Christianity, even though tragic, shows that side to it, that it's about Forgiveness, So honouring God through relationships is really important. And, and this is all about how we relate together and how we relate in certain kinds of relationships. So I, I, I sort of, I can't remember it though, but I listened to Phil's talk from last uh, Sunday. And so I'm going to read Ruth chapter 3. And uh, uh, this is called, as it says in the scripture, Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor. So Ruth chapter 3. One day, Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor. But don't let him know you are there "'until he is finished eating and drinking. "'When he lies down, note the place where he is lying, "'then go and uncover his feet and lie down. "'He will tell you what to do.' "'I will do whatever you say,' Ruth answered. "'So she went down to the threshing floor "'and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. "'When Boaz had finished eating and drinking "'and was in good spirits,' He went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after the younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night. And in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed a bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, uh, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter until you find out what happens for the man will not rest until the man matter is settled today, let's pray Father we thank you that you are with us we thank you that it's just so evident uh, that in this church at least you're, you're taking us on a journey um, which is beyond um, our, us, it's beyond our own organisational ability it's very much your guiding hand And Father, I pray that uh, on this journey, we will be those who honour one another in our relationships. And Lord, as we honour one another, we are honouring you. And so I pray that you would speak to us. And Father, this is a deep subject, a sensitive subject, uh, but I pray that your will would be done here. In Jesus' name, Amen. It's interesting because Ruth had taken in this story, really, the whole chapter, three very big risks. And uh, the reality is it always requires a risk to uh, move on and to do the things that God would have you do. There's always a risk. There's always an element where you have to face a fear. And certainly Ruth does that. And uh, her first risk really was when she committed herself to go with Naomi in chapter 1 because really what she decided to do was illogical and unwise. It didn't make any sense for her to travel back to Israel uh, with this woman who now had nothing to offer her. And in today's world, if somebody had said that to you or me, we would have said, are you really sure? Are you really going to do that? Because there are no prospects there. There's no potential there. Why would you go back? You don't know the language. You don't know the people. Why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. And, and in some ways, that has become our mantra. That's how we work. We make sensible decisions. We make, we make wise decisions, and we just do things that are right. Yeah? This is not that. Ruth is not operating in a sensible way here. She's not making any sense in what she decides to do when she makes that devotional commitment to Naomi that was not sensible, uh, it was not wise, it was illogical. It didn't make any sense. But she does it. She had no idea what the outcome would be. And and in some ways I'm glad for it because we're in a situation where we have no idea what the outcome's going to be when we all troop over to Trinity. No idea really. We're, we've not got like any back contracts to try and, you know, just in case it all goes. We've got no idea really what it's going to be like. She took the risk though. The second risk she takes is when she goes gleaning in the fields and uh, uh, she doesn't know that Boaz is going to really offer her protection there when he says, he says to his boys, don't touch her, don't touch her. Clearly, he's saying that because there was a possibility. There was maybe an occupational hazard for those that gleaned in the fields behind the harvester that they might be molested. She didn't know that she wasn't going to be molested, that she wasn't going to have to put up with stuff that she didn't want to put up with, but she had to in order to be able to get the food. It was a risk. And she happened to go into a field where there was a righteous man who said, just leave her alone. She's coming under my protection. It was a risk, and she took it. And the third risk she takes is in this story, when she comes to Boaz and she lies at his feet. It's a risk. She doesn't know what's going to happen. Had she turned round, you know, had she not talked to Naomi, imagine if she'd just turned to a friend and she said, look, I've seen this guy, this is what I'm going to do. You might go, really? Really? Is that, is that wise? Is that a sensible thing to do? None of these things appear sensible. They're, they're risky decisions that she makes. But none of her risks were, were impulsive or thoughtless. In every situation, in some ways, she's responding to the advice of, of others. And you have to hear that. We have to hear that because sometimes God asks you to do things which, are, which on the outside appear really unconventional. They don't fit with the plan that you would have had for your life. They don't fit with your sort of career progression, the idea of what you might want to do. They don't fit. I mean, it's interesting when Dave talked about his school, and I'm glad he spoke about his school in that kind of way, that maybe God's called me to this. Because Dave maybe could go off and do all sorts of things in all sorts of schools. But God may have called him to something which wouldn't fit with the career progression. And maybe God's called you to something that doesn't fit with the natural career progression. I do this, I then do that, then this happens. And often as we grow up, and particularly in our teenage years, a new day does this to you, and then as you get into your early 20s, you can be really passionate about doing the thing that, that God would have you do, uh, but there comes a point, whether it's through a job or through a relationship, where you just get back into the conventional, although this is what I'll do. I'm just going to get married, and then we're going to move over here, and we're going to raise our kids, and that's what we're going to do. Ruth takes some risks. And so we have at the beginning of this particular part of the story, we have Naomi. And I I was interested to hear how Phil described Naomi. I thought it was a little bit unfair. He described Naomi as being bitter. Although Naomi, the name means pleasant. She said the name means pleasantness. Uh, But clearly Naomi was had struggled. She'd struggled with her, with her life. She'd struggled with the fact that in Moab she'd lost her husband. Then years later she'd lost her sons and she'd had no heir. No one was uh, sort of born into that family and she struggled and she did want to go home on her own. She didn't really want Ruth to go with her. She's pushing away the very person that God had sent as her deliverer. She's pushing her away. And you see that, and then Ruth is doing her best. I'm going to glean for us. I'm going to raise some stuff for us. And then at the beginning of chapter 3, it's almost like Naomi realises, oh, I could help Ruth. Finally, I could help Ruth. I I could help her, her sort of just find a place for herself, find a place for her to be able to rest. And so she gives her this... Advice and, and, and she puts that proposal. This is what I want you to do. And even that, I just found when I just thought about our the way we do things today because you can't help but think when you do the story of Ruth, and particularly when you look at chapter three, that this is about relationships. This is how relationships start. And, and in fact, I, I can't remember if it was my sister I was talking to, or, or someone was talking that they knew some women who were saying, Oh, we're, we're dressing up and going to meet our Boaz. Now I don't know where Boaz was going to be, I don't know what that, what that looked like, I don't know whether there were threshing floors, or, or, but I, really I knew what they meant, yeah, I'm going to meet my guy. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting because that is not what Ruth does, yeah. The meeting of Boaz that Ruth does comes from Naomi. And I was even thinking about that and the idea that somebody could be instructed in this kind of way. To us, this would be, "Oh, you don't tell me how to meet someone. Surely that's just my decision. But here, Naomi says, this is what I want you to do. This is how you're going to go about reaching, meeting and reaching Boaz. And Ruth, really obediently almost and humbly says, "I'll, I'll do what you say. Whatever you say, I'll do. And sometimes that kind of advice can be really, really helpful from someone who's maybe been there and Naomi had maybe been there and understood something about the culture of the place that she'd done that. So Naomi suggests to Ruth, go, go and find Boaz and do these things specifically. And then we find in the next scene, if you like, um, you've got the threshing floor scene. And, and at one level, it's just a little bit, it's just it's a bit loaded, Ruth and Boaz at the threshing floor is just a little bit loaded yeah, with all sorts of thoughts. You go, oh, I wonder what that really means. yeah. You can begin to wonder. And yet it's also amazing the purity of it. And it's almost that's the point. It's loaded, but it's pure. On the outside, it looks like no one would advise Ruth to do that. No, you wouldn't advise it. You wouldn't say, well, just go. When he's had a bit too much to drink, go and lunch. No, 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 you don't do that. Yeah? I wouldn't advise if one of my daughters said, oh, no, i look, don't do that. <laughs> it's not a wise or sensible. Th- I don't care what the Bible says. It's not a wise or sensible <laughs> thing to do. You, but it's, it's loaded. It's loaded with, with suggestiveness that what would Ruth do, what would happen, Ruth and Boaz, at the threshing floor? It's an intimate encounter, but ultimately it's very safe. It's intimate, but ultimately it's a very safe encounter. There are risks both ways. There are risks both ways in this encounter. You see, Boaz, if he hadn't been a man of such integrity, and there's there's no suggestion that even, that although he was a relative of of uh, Naomi. There's no suggestion that Naomi had met him and they chatted and talked through things. Uh, You wonder how she knew that Boaz was okay. But she does know Boaz is okay. Because this encounter could have gone very differently. Boaz could have seen Ruth at the bottom there and thought, oh, thank you, Lord, and then got involved. He could have taken advantage of that situation. Or he could have just rejected her outright because she was a foreigner. You're a Moabites, don't come close to me. He could have rejected her because it didn't fit convention. It wasn't a conventional situation. You get the impression that Boaz must have been a slightly older man. I don't know how old, but he must have been a slightly older man simply because of his, his response. You've not gone after the younger men, either rich or poor. I assume he's a little bit older. I always envision him as being a bit bald maybe with hair around the side. I don't know why I think that. Maybe he was short, chubby and bald. Yeah? Just, that's not me. But, um, but you end up in a, in a situation which could have gone very, very wrong if Boaz hadn't been, hadn't had as much integrity as he had. And if Ruth hadn't done what she was told to do by her mother-in-law. So we have the encounter, um, and, uh, and Boaz, in his integrity, he comes right through. At a moment when he, didn't, he almost didn't have to, he comes right through. He is, this man is a man of integrity. How do you know that? Because in a moment when nobody sees, nobody knows, he does the right thing. And I don't just mean doing the right thing, he honours God. Because sometimes the right thing, in the world's eyes, is not, it's not in honouring God. But if you're a Christian and you want to do the right thing before God, sometimes that will make you look foolish. Sometimes that seems right out of what people would do, but but he does the right thing. And I want to encourage you and I want to challenge you. Are you doing the right thing? Are you living the right way? I don't mean do you not come to church and all that kind of stuff. I come to church and all that kind of stuff. But when I'm on my own and nobody sees, when Pauline's not there, when the girls aren't there, am I doing the right thing? Is what you see real or is it not real? Do I make prayers of of, of, of radical obedience to Jesus on a Sunday morning But at home, I'm just doing my own thing. I'm living by convention. Oh, I've got to do my best here at work because I need to get on. It's so important, brothers and sisters, that we do the right thing. Because by doing the right thing, you honour God. And honouring God is one of the ways you show him that you love him. So if you love him, honour him. And if you honour him, do the right thing. Now, that means for all of us, I think, I've realised this more and more, it means for all of us that we have to overcome our fears. Because sometimes it's because of fear that I do the wrong thing. It's not just because I want to be evil, but it's out of fear I do the wrong thing. So just take this situation, Boaz and Ruth on the threshing floor. Boaz, out of fear of commitment, rejects Ruth. He's frightened. I can't commit myself. So he rejects Ruth. Or Boaz, out of some sort of uh, warped idea, I suppose, of of, uh, the people of Israel and their own purity, integrity, rejects her because she's foreign. Not recognising that sometimes God doesn't work according to convention. Often God doesn't work according to convention. So they have this encounter. And then... Uh, just it, it, it really ends with uh, um, Ruth going back to Naomi and uh, recounting what had happened. And again, Naomi is so wise, isn't she, when she says, she says to Ruth, look, wait, my daughter, wait. He will set, he'll sort this out now. You just need to wait. And sometimes that kind of advice in, in relationships is really, really good. Yeah? Whether you submit your relationship to someone who you know who's not just necessarily your mate, it's good to have friends, but someone maybe who's got a bit more experience and maybe they'll tell you, just wait on that one. Oh no, don't, pre- don't press on that one. Rather than just making decisions in the moment, Naomi advises her to Wait. And so we have this story just right there in the middle. It's, it's a loaded encounter. It could have gone either way. Uh, at one level, you could, have, you could have seen that. And yet, actually, it's a pure encounter. It's a safe encounter. And I'm just going to draw out one or two very brief things from it. And I know we're looking at a story that was written thousands of years ago. 3,000, 4,000 years ago. Remember, we're looking at a story that was written during the time of the Judges. And if you remember what it says about the Judges at the end of uh, the book of Judges, it says that these things happened at a time when Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. And Ruth is written in that context. It's in that context that this story comes Israel had no king, and everyone basically did what they wanted. So that's even more surprising when you see the integrity of Boaz and Ruth and and of Naomi in the end. You see it at a time when people just did what they wanted, people weren't necessarily trying to follow God. And it just reminded me that we live in a world today which is not seeking to follow God particularly. In some ways, it's seeking to intentionally walk away from the ways of God. Everyone just does as they see fit, or everyone does everything they think that is not about God. That's the kind of world we live in, and it's whether or not we're able to hold and be faithful even in a time when everything else is unfaithful. Because that's the time that they were living in it. That's when this occurred. But some very simple things that you can pick up from this, and, and although it is thousands of years old, I just think these principles could still apply. They might not all apply, but they could still apply. First one is this. It's really, really simple. Some people need help to get together. And I know for some of us, it's like, oh, don't help me. Don't, start me, don't do that. But the reality is some people need help. And why, they, why do they need help? Partly because of fear. People fear commitment, people fear rejection, people fear, people fear things. And fear makes you do different things. Now fear doesn't mean that, it, fear doesn't always sit here and you're like walking around and you're fearful. Sometimes you have a fear and the way you have resolved your fear is you just step back. And so, and so you don't feel the fear anymore because actually you've, you step back. But you don't engage in things that are going to bring up that fear. I just don't engage. I will not enter into a relationship because I'm fearful. I'm frightened of what might happen. I just step out and I say, hey, I'm quite happy here. I'm quite happy here. But actually, the reason I'm here is fear. Yeah? And fear is not the way to please God. Yeah, Had Ruth functioned out of fear, Ruth would never have met Boaz. She would never have gone with Naomi She would never have gone on the threshing floor. She would never have gone and gleaned behind. None of those things would have happened had Ruth operated out of fear. So fear doesn't always look like I'm really scared. Fear can be I'm just going to make a very wise and sensible decision. I'm going to step back because I've been hurt in the past. I don't want to get rejected. I don't really want to commit to it. I'm going to make a sensible decision. That can be made out of fear. You just need to know that, brothers and sisters. It's not always wise and sensible. Sometimes it's driven By fear. And so sometimes people need help because they need to overcome fears. So they need support in doing that. Secondly, as I mentioned earlier, there is a test here that all of them really pass, but let's focus on Boaz that test of integrity. What goes on in secret? You see, spirituality, this might seem a harsh statement, but I personally think it's true. Spirituality and Christianity and all those things are irrelevant without integrity. They're irrelevant if I'm on one thing on the surface and I'm another thing somewhere else. It doesn't mean anything. If I live one way when I'm with you and I live a completely different way when I'm not with you, that doesn't mean anything. That is not integrity, because I'm not just talking about integrity from a human perspective. I'm talking about integrity before God. It matters. And, and what that means is, I'm not saying that everyone should be perfect here. So I'm not saying that, oh my goodness, I'm not, I'm not perfect. What does he mean by integrity? No, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to, at, at the very least, be seeking to do the things that you would know God wants you to do. Because sometimes we can get around things, and, and this scenario describes a loaded encounter, a loaded, potentially loaded sexual encounter. That's what it really describes, an intimate encounter that on the face of it you go, "Ah, oh, you really want to go there. And sometimes we, we, we rationalise how relationships work in order that we can engage maybe more sexually in relationships than we ought to. We can rationalise it. We can say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't use these words to describe it or those words. And we can justify to ourselves, because that's all I need to do. I only need to justify to me um, whether something is okay or something is not okay. Whereas if you follow the example of Boaz, of Ruth... You know, what, what is his comment? Ah, oh, a woman shouldn't be seen on the threshing floor. He's, he's in a scenario that on the face of it, he wouldn't have chosen to. But he goes through with it because clearly something's led that. But he also says, this shouldn't, this shouldn't be seen. This shouldn't be seen. And sometimes integrity means that, you know what, I'm just going to face that reality. I mean, I would, uh, that these things aren't meant to happen. I'm not meant to have sex with him, he's not my husband. I'm not meant to have sex with her, she's not my wife. Okay, we're both consenting, we're both single, but actually the Bible doesn't doesn't encourage that kind of behaviour. You can go to it and go, well, you know, if we love one but actually it doesn't encourage that behaviour. You have to work around things to get there. Does the Bible really say that? That's the kind of question you would ask yourself. And who asked that question right at the beginning? Right at the very beginning, isn't it Satan who says to Eve, did he really say did God really say you couldn't? Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe you didn't. Maybe what He meant was something else. And then suddenly I'm free. I can do it. One of the things about the world in which we live, and it's um, in some ways it's 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 attack on Christianity. And there is that attack on Christianity, whether it comes to issues of sexuality or, or whatever it is. There's this attack on Christianity. It's not really attack on you and I, brothers and sisters. It is an attack on God. It's not an attack on us. It's very difficult in a world to accept God's way. In a, the world in which we to live today, God's way almost, almost seems outdated and irrelevant. And for many people, it would be even some Christians that even couldn't believe that some people still believe, well, you still believe those things. That sometimes our attitude to integrity and purity would be the same as someone would say, you mean like just like you believe in Noah's ark, you believe, really? And in the time of the judges, people did what they saw fit. So Boaz's actions would not have been necessarily common in his world. People were doing what they wanted to do. Today, people do what they want to do. But for us... call ourselves believers, who call ourselves Christian, we need to honour God in what we do. Our rules are not determined by us and they're not determined by our culture. They are determined by the word of God. They're determined by the work of the Holy Spirit and they're determined by the work of Jesus on the cross. Honour him. Third simple lesson, really simple. The importance of reflecting and waiting. I remember many years ago, and uh, I can't remember whether uh, Pauline and I just started to go out, but I remember I got a phone call from a friend of mine saying, I hear the name Pauline sends you into shivers or something like that. He made this comment about, because uh, obviously I, I think maybe we're just starting to go out. And, you know, you get very excited. Um, I think I, I, I got very excited and, and Pauline and I were sort of, those early days of dating and we're just like hanging out a lot. And, and clearly that had got out. Yeah, people were just observing it and speaking about it. Um, but even in those, and you know that, because you can get those moments where you're really excited, you've just started a relationship, and, and you just think, this, this could go on forever. You don't know anything yet, but you just feel it, even after an, an hour, this could go on forever. We've been dating an hour, but we could have been dating for 20 years, it feels like. You don't know that. You, you've no idea, really, but you can feel that. There is a moment, though, where it's important to reflect and to wait and to ask and to listen and not always to run ahead. And I just think that's an important moment and to be able to submit what you want to do to people who you trust and people who are wiser than you may be or at least you think they are. And then the next very simple lesson is to be aware, and I've just said this throughout, God Often breaks convention when he does something significant. He often breaks with convention when he does something significant. Uh, the threshing floor would not have been something that would have been encouraged. The fact that Boaz was marrying a Moabite would not have been encouraged. Uh, the fact that, um, you know, Jesus died on a cross was not understood. The fact that when you look read the list of, of, of you know Jesus' genealogy, you've got Ruth in there, you've got Tamar in there, you've got people in there that it doesn't it breaks with convention. You must understand God often breaks with convention. The fact that we are considering uh joining and meeting with this church Trinity, it breaks with some convention. And if we were to simply look at it, you know in terms of detail and every bit of theology, we wouldn't even be thinking the thought. But sometimes God works like that. And, and you have to allow God to work. Otherwise you don't, you don't move on. Things don't happen. God has to pass over and wait for people who have got faith in him and will trust him. And then the final, really simple lesson, progress always requires us to face our fears. If you are going to make progress, you will face some of your fears. In relationships, it's often the fear of rejection or the fear of commitment. And sometimes people remain single because they fear rejection or they fear commitment. On the surface, it might appear like none of those things. But in reality, you push, you push, that's what comes out. Oh, yeah, I don't want to. I can't open myself up like that. So, if you're going to make progress, if God puts something in front of you, you have to face your fears. So, I just really, I'm just going to pray and give us the opportunity to respond in our hearts to God because you know whether or not you have fears in terms of relationships you know whether or not you're living a life of integrity I don't know you can fool me yeah let's be honest you can I'm easily fooled you can fool me but you don't fool God do you and you don't fool yourself really you know you know what's really going on you know what the real ambitions are you know what the real heart is you know what you're doing I don't know what you're doing But God knows what you're doing. My plea and my prayer is that if you want to really follow God, be a person of integrity. Love him in public like this, but love him in private. Love him in secret. Do what you know would be right by him. Do what you know would honour him. Do what you know would, would bless him and glorify his name. Those families from Charleston, let's be honest, they could have reacted very differently. And in some ways, you couldn't have, you couldn't have, done, you couldn't have sort of... Um, it, it would have been almost justifiable had they reacted with vengeance and anger. None of us would have wanted to judge them for that. would have thought, yeah, I can imagine that. But actually, they've done the right thing. They've done the God thing. They've done the thing that must make people at least go, my goodness, do people really still do that? Are we doing the right thing? Often in a time of change and progress and transition, as we are going through as a church, God highlights things in people that he wants to sort. Do You remember, we talked about Moses for weeks and weeks and weeks. And there's that moment in the story where God persuades Moses to take the call and to to, to go back to Egypt and and to bring the people out. And having got that, then there's a moment where it says, and the Lord went to kill Moses. And you think, and it was all over the fact that he hadn't circumcised his sons. And and God had just got this guy to confirm that he was going to do this work. And then it says, the Lord went to kill Moses. Because sometimes God wants to put things right in your life. And as as we make this next step, and even as you think about your own life, examine your own heart for a moment and say, am I am I right with him? Am I doing right by him? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you so much that you are uh, with us Holy Spirit, I pray that you would speak words of truth into every heart here. Father, I pray against fear, fear which can sometimes masquerade as sensible, wise decisions. I pray against fear, and I pray that you would replace the fear that sometimes grips our hearts with faith and with acts of obedience. And Father, I pray uh, for any here who need to put things right in the secret place. I pray, Father, that you would give them the grace to be able to do that. To put things right in the secret place. In order that they can put themselves in a place where you can use them. And that their lives can honour you. And Father, I pray for us as a church as we consider the future. We look to you, O God in all of this we love the fact that you are, have gone ahead of us and you continue to lead us and I pray that you will be with us in Jesus name Amen You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording If you would like more information about us our vision, the team or upcoming events please visit our website which is beacon-church.org You can email us at office at churchcom or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.